0: Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Ominous Origins Podcast with me, Casey. Of course, this episode is still brought to you by the wonderful people over at morbidlybeautiful.com. Check out Morbidly Beautiful right now for all your horror pop culture needs. Everything from interviews, reviews, top ten lists, and, well, everything in between, they have it. So, this week, we're going to look at something a little different. I don't know if I've ever looked at anything quite like this before. So, buckle up, because it's new And new is scary, and scary is fun, so I guess this is going to be a scary fun episode. Not really, it's not going to be scary at all. We're going to talk about dreams. We all have them, some of us remember them more than others, some of us have weirder ones than other people. A lot of people look into dreams as having secret meanings, other people just write them off as crazy shit going on in your brain while you sleep. Well, what did ancient peoples, specifically ancient Greeks, think of dreams? Well, to them, they were very important, sometimes prophetic. So, let's look into that today. This is the dreams of the ancient Greeks. Amidus. Ominous. It is an adjective. Sounds like someone breathing. Ominous. Once again, it's important to note that a lot of this information is going to come from ancientorigins.net in an article written by Miriam Camille. But let's just get into it. We've all had dreams, like I just mentioned. I sometimes have really, really weird ones. I don't often remember my own personal dreams, but I do remember a few from my time as a kid. I remember one specifically where I was in school, in middle school I believe it was, and we were playing dodgeball, and one of the balls went down the hallway to this creepy janitor's room, and uh, one of the kids went to go get it, and they never were found or seen or heard from ever again and nobody really seemed to care the school wrote it off as hey he went home sick he's gonna be out for a little while and then one day in the near future I was the one tasked with going to get a ball from the janitor's room after it went down the hallway because the gym was poorly set up and there were whole lots of doors and it was just a weird setup anyway it's a dream it doesn't have to make sense so that's kind of what happened and then I go into this room and it's like a Freddy Krueger boiler room sort of thing it was weird and it's stuck with me ever since. It almost felt like a, a Goosebumps novel or TV show episode, but I digress. I know my wife has some more real-world dreams that takes place at home, between her and I, or our pets, or her family. They're not usually super crazy, but they're usually very rooted in the real world, and maybe that's because I'm more of a creative type and she's more of a logical thinker, and so our dreams are vastly different when it comes to content. But again, I don't know, I don't look into dreams too often, but the ancient Greeks most certainly did, and it was a very important thing within their culture, and it established a connection to different concepts and prophecies that were explored in the literature of that era. Writers tended to distinguish between two categories of dreams in ancient Greece, those they deemed insignificant, caused by hopes, fears, digestion, and other bodily and natural factors but there were some that were significant now the significant dreams came in various varieties three to be specific they were literal visions of the future some required a little bit of a I guess symbolic interpretation and others were visited by gods ghosts or friends Examples of such prophetic dreams in ancient Greece come from a variety of sources, including the writings of historians, epic poetry, plays, and inscriptions at holy sites. The Greek historian Herodotus of the 5th century BC is credited as the father of history, though his stories sometimes cross into the territory of myth. In Book 1 of his histories, the Lydian king Croesus dreamed that his son was to die from a wound caused by a spearhead. Croesus did everything in his power to keep his son away from weapons, but allowed him to go on a hunt where he was accidentally killed by the spear of the very man hired to be his bodyguard. So that seems kind of dumb. No no no, you can't be near weapons because they will stab and kill you, which is actually pretty good advice from a father to a son, but you can go on a hunt using a weapon that I saw was going to kill you, that's perfectly fine. Uh, the logic is a little flawed there, but hey, I digress. Now, not only did Croesus dream correctly that his son would die in the near future via a spearhead, but also is set into motion a series of events that led to its fulfillment. The fact that a historian reported this event attests to the pervasive beliefs in dreams as visions of the future. Also common in the literature of ancient Greece were dreams with symbols that needed to be interpreted. One example is Penelope's dream in Homer's Odyssey. According to the story, Penelope had to endure the presence of fifty suitors living in her house and eating up all her husband's wealth while she patiently waited for Odysseus, her husband, to return home from the war. In her dream, fifty geese were killed by an eagle that revealed itself to be her husband Odysseus. The Geese symbolized the suitors. The dream was not only prophetic, since Odysseus did in fact end up killing the suitors, but it was also symbolic in the sense that she wished for this to happen, and it did. Odysseus was not a man to be messed with. Within the passage, Penelope herself distinguished between significant and insignificant dreams. Dreams with no greater meaning come to the dreamer by passing through a gate made of ivory, she says, while significant dreams pass through a gate of horn which is an interesting distinction between the two. Apparently one of the more common dreams back in the day were of parents dreaming that their kids would cause all kinds of destruction and terrible things to happen. Herodotus gave an example of this when the Median king Astyages dreamt of his daughter Mandane urinating until all of Asia was flooded. He then dreamt that she gave birth to a vine that overshadowed all of Asia, which is a very, very weird and specific dream to have, but hey, you know, we've all had weird ones. We're not judging here, it's a judge free zone when it comes to dreams. The Persian sorcerer known as the Magi interpreted his dream to mean that Mandane's child would eventually depose King Astyages. This indeed came to be when Mandane's son Cyrus the Great dethroned his grandfather and became king of the Persians in the 6th century BC. And we're not going to talk about how I just did a little bit of a Borat impression there. It just felt natural. I don't know. Sometimes these voices just come to me in my head and they say, hey, do this voice. And then I do that voice. And then I go talk to a shrink and they put me on medication and I get a straight jacket, a nice padded room, a huggy jacket. Yay. Man, this whole episode feels kind of like a fever dream at this point. Anyway, back to the episode one. Hecuba, the queen of Troy, was pregnant with her son Paris. She dreamt that she gave birth to a burning torch. A seer tells Hecuba her son would cause the downfall of Troy, which indeed happened when Paris' actions prompted the Trojan War. Similarly, the Spartan queen Clytemnestra dreamt that she gave birth and breastfed a snake shortly before she was killed by her son Orstis. This sort of symbolic dream became a common literary motif but also reflected a reality where people believed in the prophetic properties of dreams. Artemidorus, the second century soothsayer left us a book on dream interpretation where he explained the meaning of dreaming of symbols such as snakes, crocodiles, hunting, farming, and war. He even explained what it meant for a man to dream of having sex with his own mother. Such books were apparently popular in the ancient world, and that sort of content is popular again on the internet today, weird as it is. Oedipus syndrome. Anyway, the third type of prophetic dream involves visitation from a friend, family member, or god who spoke with the dreamer. This visitor was sometimes a dream messenger in disguise sent by a god. This dream messenger took many forms depending on what the god required. In Homer's Iliad, for example, Zeus instructed a dream figure to appear to King Agamemnon, disguised as the king's friend Nestor. The image of Nestor told Agamemnon to take his troops into battle against the Trojans. Zeus's purpose was to sabotage the Greek army. Meanwhile, in the Odyssey, Athena sent a dream figure to Penelope, which appeared as her sister. The Phantom Sister comforted Penelope and told her that her son would soon return from his journey. Many centuries after these stories were written, the Roman poet Ovid continued the tradition of dream figures in his depiction of Saix and Elcyone. In this poem, Juno sent Morpheus, who was able to change form at will, to visit Alcyone in her sleep. Unaware that her beloved husband, Sykes, has died in war, she is visited by Morpheus disguised as her husband who transmits the bad news. In ancient Greek literature, the visitor in the dream often visited in the form of a ghost. Achilles, for instance, dreamt of a visit by his dead companion, Patrocles, who asked him to complete his burial rites, so he would be able to pass on to the underworld. When Achilles attempted to grasp Patroclus, he only encountered smoke. Aports, or objects obtained within a dream, and which are discovered upon waking, are exclusive to the realm of myth. In a poem by the Greek poet Pindar, the hero Perseus is said to have acquired a golden bridle in a dream. Though these examples all come from Greek myths, it seems that people really dreamt about visitations from the gods. Elsepius was an ancient Greek god with a great healing power. He was thought to visit his worshippers in dreams and give them medical advice, diagnoses, and even cures. Inscriptions at his site of worship pay testament to such dreams, and religious devotees hoping to have significant dreams would practice incubation or ritual sleep in a sanctuary. Some sanctuaries incorporated rooms for this specific purpose. In this cult and others, certain objects were thought to encourage desired communications with a god, such as ritual bathing, animal sacrifice, or sleeping on a specific animal's skin. Now, the connection between dreams and prophecy in ancient Greece was frequently explored in the literature of the era, from myths and history to ancient inscriptions. Greek religious culture allowed people to believe in the truth of those prophetic dreams sent by the gods. Among religious Greeks, this belief was so strong that people bought dream books and practiced rituals to induce prophetic dreams within their everyday lives. Now, dream study has definitely come a long way since the ancient Greeks. In fact, there is a whole study and field of quote-unquote science dedicated to the study of dreams called onirology. Now, I could be mispronouncing that very, very much so, but I think I'm pretty close. Also, dreams have a lot of significance in other cultures as well not just the ancient greeks and not just the modern study of it you can probably find dream studies going on through many cultures in the ancient world and in today's world as well and it makes sense as everybody has dreams whether you remember them or not your brain does all sorts of crazy shit when you're asleep and dreaming is just one of them so do you find meaning in your dreams Have you ever had a weird dream? Have you ever had a prophetic dream where, you know, something came true? Or you can interpret something as coming true after you've had said dream. It could be something as simple as your fridge running away in your dream, only for you to wake up and it's busted. Who knows how the human mind really works? It's a very complex thing. And dreams are just one of those complexities that we just don't fully understand at the moment. Yes, science is coming a long, long way on it, but I think it's one of those things where, yeah, you're never really going to understand The full meaning behind it. But what do I know? I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a shaman. I'm not a dream expert. I just find a lot of this stuff very, very interesting. And I hope you do too. But that's going to do it for us today. My name is Casey, and this has been the Ominous Origins Podcast. If you like what you heard, please feel free to leave a five star rating on Spotify. If you do so, please shoot me a message on social media, and I'll give you a shout out on the show. A couple of people over the last few weeks have done it, so thank you to them. You can still leave a review the old-fashioned way on Apple iTunes or Podcasts or whatever it's called. And if you leave a five-star review on that, I will read it out on the show. So it's a great way to get a shout-out as well. Lastly, you can find me on social media, on Twitter, at HorrorShotsProd, as in production. On Facebook, at HorrorShots. Or on Instagram, at Ominous Origins Pod. So until next time.